In today's world, we are increasingly dependent on technology. Our business and personal lives rely on it, but as you've probably noticed, it's unreliable. They promise it'll get better, but it usually gets worse. Our computers are slow, so we end up squinting at smartphones and tablets. We live in constant fear that something's going to happen to our personal data. So we're scared into paying for fake protection that proves useless when disaster strikes. Update attacks, fake Wi-Fi, cloud control, and other industry scandals are designed to keep the money flowing. The jokers we pay to fix our stuff have no clue what they're doing, so they do a virus scan and then wipe out our precious photos. Intelligent, successful people feel intimidated by the chaos and think it's somehow their fault. If they only knew what the industry was doing to them, they'd get torches and pitchforks. If only we had someone to explain it all in plain English so we can start protecting ourselves. Oh wait, we do! It's the Computer Exorcist Podcast with your host, Mark Anthony Arena. From the Wallace Memorial microphone in my home office, somewhere in western New York, it's the Computer Exorcist Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. I am Mark Anthony Arena, your Computer Exorcist. I am the president of Technosophy LLC, and you can learn more about me at thecomputerexorcist.com or technosophy.com, if you dare to spell that. It's T-E-K-N-O-S-O-P-H-Y. <sighs> Today's episode, we're going to do another Mark Solo Flight episode. Uh, I've got a stack of articles in front of me that I'd like to get off my chest. Let's get started, shall we? Um, here's some filthy things I've encountered lately, and I wanted to expose them so that you can tell your friends about them and hopefully put these folks to shame. I got a phone call the other day from an organization claiming to be the NRSC, and when I... I called them back, and, and they claimed it wasn't them. They claimed it, an, it was an imposter. But anyway, it was just a disturbing thing where it was a pre-recorded robocall thing, and it was an AI robocall, and it said, Hi, I, I am a live person. I'm not a recording. But it was obviously an AI recording thing, and I said something, and it said, I am a live person, and I'm not a recording. And it kept saying that over and over again. You know, the idea is all these bad guys are legalized as long as they claim to do certain things, right? That's, that's my whole deal here. That's what sets me apart from everyone else in this industry, is I'm apparently the only one who realizes that bad guys are legal, okay? Everyone else is still looking for viruses like it's 1931. Okay, the real bad guys are in real offices. So here's the deal. If you want to make an AI thing, a recording thing, in order to fool people, that's bad enough. But to have an AI recording say, I, I, I am a live person. I'm not a, a robocall. I'm not a recording. I am a live person. That's especially despicable. Later on, you know, I equate it to this. It's like you drive around with a baseball bat sticking out of your car window and if someone pulls you over and questions you about it you say look I, I have the right to drive around with a baseball bat sticking out of my car window but in reality the intention is that you're going to use that baseball bat to knock over some mailboxes all right 
So that's exactly what's happening with with a lot of things and a lot of these these things I'm going to talk about today. Pay attention because they they go about it legally, right? Well, well, we did everything to comply with the law, but it's obvious that their baseball bat is positioned at the height of your mailbox. Does that make sense? I, I, you know, when I was I was seething going over these articles today, and and that's the best way I could explain it. Here's a couple more examples of that. So I got a letter in the mail, as many business owners do, and there's no corporate logo, there's no company name, but it's sent by an evil satanic corporation called CPS. They don't identify their actual name, they don't do anything, they just call themselves CPS. And they design it intentionally to look exactly like a government document. It says 2023 biennial statement instruction form. Important, follow instructions exactly when completing this form. Please print please respond and there's a fake customer id number and then they show some publicly available information like my department of state id and my corporate formation date of my company and notice date right that gives it a little more gravitas Ooh, a notice date and it says new york laws require limited liability companies registered to do business in the state to timely file a biennial statement every two years CPS, you know, in microscopic letters, they'll admit CPS is not a government agency and does not have a contract with any governmental agency to provide this service, right? So it's a microscopic letters. Again, it's, sorry, officer, we're just driving around with a baseball bat. We're not doing anything wrong, okay? But the form is designed, designed to look identical to a government form so that senior citizens or new business owners or people who are just on autopilot, which is most human beings, are not going to notice and they're going to go ahead and fill out this form and fall victim to this evil, rotten scandal. Okay, please make your checks payable to CPS, 1843 Central Ave, number 142, Albany, New York, 12205. For further assistance, call 518-240-4647. I am exposing this as fully legal, but in reality, in morality, it's a filthy scam. Okay, ready for this? To utilize the service, follow the steps below. Mail the completed form with $125 in the enclosed envelope. Please respond today. Okay, so... In reality, again, no one's going to notice this, but in reality, they're charging you $125. Again, they're going to shrug their shoulders and put up their hands and say, look, well, legally, we're compliant with the law, and we're just charging $125 service fee for us to then go on and fill out the biennial statement form on behalf of this company, right? All right, it's one thing if I willingly hire these evil, rotten demons if it's one thing if I willingly hired them to prepare my biennial statement, okay? But get this. So the biennial statement, they're charging $125 to turn around and fill out the form and actually just use the information you wrote in their form and then they write a form to the government, okay? So they're doing nothing useful in reality, all right? They send you a letter. Again, it send you a letter. It looks like a government form. They ask for $125. You write it out thinking it's the government, and you mail them $125. They turn around and use your information to fill out a form, and they hand it to the government. You ready for this? $9. Okay, folks? That's what I just paid last week for my biennial form for the government. So they're charging you $125 to, to take your information you filled out on their fake form, 
And then they're plopping it on the real form and then paying the government $9. So again, this is a legal organization, but it's my job on this show to explain to you scandals that are legalized. I'm not saying they're they're illegal. What I'm saying is, in reality, they are a scam. And they should feel ashamed of themselves, and they should shut down this company, and they should do something that actually helps humanity. So again, these evil people do a fake form. And you know, I've done a brief shout-out on prior shows shaming these people, but I just wanted to really explain this scandal. I looked at the form, and I said, $125? I didn't pay a lot last week. What did I pay? And yeah, it turns out I only paid $9. So they are giving no benefit. They are not adding any value to anything. And and finally, I'm not calling for reforms, right? Call for reforms and call for more laws. We see that laws are useless in this situation, okay? I'm calling for awareness because that's the only thing that'll stop these evil people. So if you get an evil letter in the mail that looks like a government form from an evil organization called CPS okay, then give them a call and give them a piece of your mind. Their number is 518-240-4647, and they are an evil organization that charges you $125 to fill out a government form that's actually, in reality, $9. So if you own a business, you do that form yourself, and it's $9. You don't need these people, okay? Another shame on you shout out, shame on you to DomainNetworks.com, okay? They send an evil fake letter that's, you know, they use publicly available information that says your website is about to expire, right? If you heard my old show, you know I talk about this kind of thing. It says your website is about to expire and you look at it and go, oh, I have no idea who my, oh yeah, I just, most business owners have no clue what end is up. They don't know their password. They don't know their vendors. They don't know who hosts their website because computers are still scary. Okay. So this, this company, again, fully legalized. I'm not saying they're illegal. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that they offer no benefit to humanity. They send you a letter that makes you leads you to believe that that they are your web host when in reality they are not. In microscopic letters, it does say this is not a bill. This is a solicitation. You're no under no obligation to pay the amount stated above unless you accept our offer. Okay, fine. But listen, you you people, if you're listening, you domain networks people, shame on you. You know what you're doing here. You know that you just put that sentence there to avoid being sued or arrested or whatever. You you put that there to be in compliance with the law. But you know what you're actually out to do, and you know you're out to scam people, all right? So this thing says, Description of Services, Annual Website Domain Listing, $289. It's just the domain name. They're not even doing hosting. Uh, you wish to maintain your domain listing and keep it active in our online website directory convincing you that you need to sign your name over to them. So they then control your website name. They don't give you anything of benefit, anything of value. They're not hosting your website because that would get sticky. Then you might realize, hey, where'd my website go? It vanished. Or they might have to do some work and actually pipe the uh, copy the website to their thing. No, they're just taking control of the name. All right. So what if I walked up to someone and said, you know what? Uh, all we're doing here is I need to uh, control your keys. 
So I'm not taking your car, I'm just controlling your keys, right? And then I take your keys and start up your car and drive away. All right, so that's what they're doing here. They're they're charging and by the way, domain hosting is only $14 with and it's just it just means parking your name on the internet. So technosophy.com or joeblow.com, whatever it might be. It's just having that .com name. That's all that means, domain hosting, okay? Web hosting means putting the actual web pages up on the internet. So that's a separate concept. So this is a $14 thing in reality. But these evil people, again, they're fully legalized. I can't say anything. I'm just bringing awareness here. They're charging you $289. $289 to take control of your website name, which is normally a $14 thing. So DomainNetworks.com, shame on you. Shame on you evil people. Their phone number is 505-510-7300. Shame on you evil people. Why don't you do something productive with your time? There are plenty of people suffering out there with real problems, and you could be helping them. You could be utilizing your intellect to help society. Shame on you. Okay, next topic. A friend of mine showed me last night this Fox News podcast, and they said, the cyber guy is a cybersecurity tech expert. And he gets on there and says, yeah, you can be hacked. Everyone can be hacked. So he's implying that someone can break into your actual computer, which is impossible. It's physically impossible. It's virtually impossible. Okay. Uh, you know, in the old days, before the year 2001, before firewalls existed, yeah, someone could break into your machine. But it's virtually impossible now. The only time someone can break into your actual computer, your local computer sitting on your desk, is if they call you and say scary words, and then you allow them into the machine, okay? It's just like those scams I talked about a few seconds ago, where they're not stealing your stuff, but they're convincing you to allow them right? That's what scams are all about now, convincing you that they're good guys, convincing you to allow them in. So anyway, the cyber guy says, yeah, you, you need antivirus software so that you can't be hacked. So I don't think he's malicious. I think he just doesn't understand that viruses have never happened since 2013. And he thinks that antivirus software is going to somehow protect you from being hacked. No one's going to hack into your computer, okay? And again, if they are, antivirus software twiddles its thumbs because they're using legalized remote support tools, okay? These phone support scams, they convince you that they're Microsoft, and then they use a legalized remote tool to break into your computer. The great irony here is that the hype and the fear, the fear of being hacked, is what fuels the support scam industry. Does that make sense? So he also said, you need antivirus software on your phone because someone's going to hack your phone. Phones, as long as you have a non-Microsoft telephone, which, I mean, Microsoft sold like three dozen phones and then got out of that business. As long as you have a non-Microsoft phone, no one can ever, 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 ever break into that phone. Okay, again, unless they convince you that they're a company and then they convince you to use a legalized support tool to let them in. But again, it's them convincing you to let them in. It has nothing to do with any kind of malicious software. So this guy, again, he, he thinks that people are still breaking into phones. And he said, if someone emails you a link to your phone, they can hack it. So that's like me mailing you a, a nasty letter 
in in the mail to your mailbox, right? I didn't hack you. I sent you a nasty letter. So so he thinks that somehow he said, well, if someone sends you an email with a link in it, they can hack your phone. And in reality, look, anyone can send anyone an email. He says antivirus software will tell you if it's a bad link. No, that's not true in the least bit. Number one, you just have to be with a safe email provider. So if you're still infected with a Roadrunner or an AOL account, that's your real problem because they have no protection at all. That's the real problem. But even if if you do manage to get some kind of email in your phone with some bad link in it, antivirus software can't ever, ever, ever protect against it because it's a reactionary product, right? The bad guys are light years ahead of antivirus products. They send out a link, and the antivirus product won't know until uh, months or weeks or months or years later that it was a bad link. It's just a link, okay? So what if I send you a letter in the mail, and it says, come to my address, 123 Main Street, okay? And then you come to 123 Main Street, and then I beat you up. All right, guess what? The cops don't realize that until after the incident, right? So that's the same thing with antivirus software. It's extremely reactionary. It can never, ever protect against anything. And by the way, y'all might know this, but antivirus software slows down your phone or your computer or whatever by 99% or 90% or some number like that, and then they cost you a lot of money. You're paying for that false sense of security. So always, always, the first time I meet a client and I walk in and they have a disaster, I say, hey, yeah, look at that Webroot, Norton, McAfee. How'd that work out for you? And it's just sitting there. And these people have this, it's actually worse because they have a false sense of security. They think they're somehow protected. Oh, yeah, I'm protected, so I can click on anything I want because I'm protected. In reality, don't click on anything from anyone Okay, look at the email thoroughly and see if it's from a company you actually do business with. Look at the sending address. This morning I got a call from a lady and she got a fake Amazon thing in her AOL mail. And I said, look at the address. Do you think Amazon's email address is dvvvthdv at hcbvvf.com? Do you think that's really it? Or like Michael Smith 12345 at gmail.com? Do you think that's really Amazon? And, and take a look at the link. You know, if you hover over the link and it says Amazon, okay, fine. But if you hover over the link and there's it pops up as dvtvh3.com or some, you know, gibberish, then it's, it's fake. Okay, so it's all up to you, your own awareness. It's up to your human awareness and human judgment. That's it. There's no product out there that'll protect you. Viruses have never happened since 2013, and, and again, antivirus software is reactionary and can never protect you until after the fact, then they might say, oh yeah, that was a bad idea. Okay, um, but he's probably a nice guy. I'm going to do an article here from 9to5mac.com, and this is one of my older articles here, I'm just trying to get out of the briefcase, um, 2019 January. Major iPhone FaceTime bug lets you hear the audio of the other person you're calling before they pick up. The bug lets you call anyone with FaceTime and immediately hear the audio coming from their phone before the person on the other end has accepted or rejected the call. Apple says the issue will be addressed in a software update. 
okay? Again, I say this in my book, welcome to the world of eternal beta products, okay? These jokers didn't bother testing that week's version of FaceTime, okay? The reason this happened is because of the prior week's update attack. So FaceTime worked fine for many, many years until that week of January 28th, 2019, because Apple decided to make some modification and do some kind of an update attack and then throw it out there and foist it upon the world without testing it. Okay, that's the real reason for problems, is this this arrogant attitude, this carefree, sloppy attitude of the programmers, okay? This wasn't an issue with FaceTime for many, many years. It was just, it popped up randomly. So, again, oh yeah, updates are going to protect it. Well, updates are what caused it in the first place, okay? Does that make sense? So, naturally, this poses a pretty privacy problem, as you can essentially listen in on any user although it still rings like normal so you can't be 100% covert okay it still rings so they're knowing you're calling but still nevertheless there's no indication on the recipient side that you could hear any of their audio I find this especially funny because I'm so gosh darn stressed uh, for the past 10 years that whenever my phone rings I just scream out and swear and yell at it and start complaining and screaming it's like what do these people want out of me leave me alone so if I ha if I was involved in this particular thing if someone was calling me and I had one of these iPhones then they'd be able to hear me screaming and, and cursing them <laughs> my phone rings 24 hours a day it's just non-stop. I mean, I, I know back when I was a normal human being, before I owned this company, I was so excited to get a phone call. Hey, someone cares about me. Um, but now it's just throughout the day, the phone calls just are bombard me. Um, so I'm so glad I have a secretary to, to deal with most of them. Okay, so update. There's a second part to this which can expose your video too. Now that's hilarious because you're walking around in your bath towel and someone decides to call you on FaceTime. So what do you do? You pick up your iPhone and you press the reject button or maybe you pick it up and, and you point it away from yourself or whatever. But <laughs> So someone calling you would, would be able to see you as well during this this problem uh, back in uh, during that week so they could call they could hear you cursing them out oh, who is it what do they want and they could also see you in your in your bath towel it's incredible so you can listen in to any iPhone users ongoing conversation without them ever knowing uh, until Apple fixes the bug it's not clear how to defend yourself right we also found that if the person presses the power button their video is also sent to the caller unbeknownst to them Right? So, again, you're in your bathrobe or your bath towel. Um, look, I'm sure they did an update attack right away to fix this. But, again, as I just said, it was caused by an update attack originally. Right? Because FaceTime worked totally fine, but then some joker had to do an update attack because they thought they were improving the product somehow. And, remember, every update attack fixes one thing and breaks two things or breaks ten more things or breaks several more things. Yeah. So, and on top of that, I've seen plenty and plenty and plenty of bugs that um, that were never addressed, in, especially in Microsoft Windows, but also in Mac OS. There's plenty of things that I've seen for years, and I thought, yeah, someone ought to fix that. No one ever does, because it's not high profile. It's not juicy, right? <sighs> okay, we'll do, um, let's do, we got a few more minutes, so I'm going to do a quick thing here. Um, 
Charting a Course to a Free World by Greg Faro. And this came from the Free Software Foundation Bulletin Newsletter in the fall of 22. So it's a recent one. And it's very interesting because you folks think that I, you know, I'm the only guy in the public forum who's actually explaining technology to the normal layman, to the normal consumer. But I get my, I get my information from a tiny group of geniuses who just aren't in the public forum, right? There's a lot of computer programmers out there who do know what they're doing and who are interested in freedom. And who are interested in software that doesn't abuse you, right? You know, again, the Microsoft and the Apple and any proprietary company uses a black box approach. Where they sell you a product, it's a black box, meaning you have no clue what it's doing to you under the hood. You have no idea what it's doing to you, right? So it's kind of like uh, when I go and I buy fast food all the time, that's, that's my bad habit. And I have no idea what kind of ingredients and chemicals they're putting in it. Okay, so that's the same thing with proprietary corporate software. So there's something called the Free Software Foundation that raises awareness for free software. In other words, software that, that costs $0, but also it's interested in freedom and explains itself. So you can see what they're doing to you. It's not a secret. Okay, Charting a course to a free world. For a moment, let's forget about what Apple, Microsoft, and the corporation formerly known as Facebook are up to and consider this utopian vision. Evidenced in our most recent talks with American high schoolers, it's rare to encounter people who really grasp just what the word program means, let alone why you ought to be unrestricted and how you run one, and free to share it if you wish. Okay, so these folks don't even know what program means. I watched a YouTube video last night, actually, and I can't think of the guy's name, but he said something like, you know what, these, these smartphones we have are a black box. And it's alarming how few people understand how it even works. Even in a basic sense, they don't understand how their, their smartphone works. It's just this magical thing that gives them magical, pretty pictures and funny videos. And they don't even know the basics of how it works, and that is dangerous, folks. It's dangerous if you don't know the basics. I don't mean you have to become a programmer, but just knowing the basics of how these black box products work, okay? Knowing what they're doing to you. Anyway, he says, what free software activists are working for is a world where users are able to do just that. Copy programs from a friend, study them, and change them to suit their needs before offering it to others. Ideally, sharing programs would begin in the classroom. Okay, that's where it starts, right? This awareness. You know, again, you can't call for reforms and call for laws. That doesn't do anything. It just creates it creates a society where people are, are no more aware but they are a lot more regulated, okay? So people are still unaware, people are still sheep, but now there's billions more laws that, that the good people have to sift through. From where we stand today, there's an increasingly widening gap between developers and the everyday users of software. It's true that software development requires certain special skills, but it's not these skills alone that have caused such a wide disparity between those who can and can't get their computer to compute. Okay, right? Wide disparity. What did I just say? The power is in the hands of the few. You've got a handful of programmers, but the majority of consumers are sheep who have no idea, not even the remotest clue, not even a simple idea of how this stuff works. 
After all, imagine how hectic things would get if that same gap existed between people who can drive and people who can't drive a car. Or perhaps worse, depending on someone to drive you somewhere who does not let you decide how to get there. Hey, side note, and, and I think Greg is aware of this, what about autonomous cars? That's the whole point of autonomous cars, is to dumb you down so that humanity can't drive themselves around, so we have to have evil computerized cars drive us around. Oh yeah, and once we get used to that, then five minutes later, they'll put an update attack in those cars that says, you know what? Hey Mark, you're not allowed to go here anymore. Yeah, you're not allowed to go to this Democrat convention, Republican convention, or Ford dealer, or Ram dealer, or Chevy dealer. You're not allowed to do that. Why don't you do what we want you to do instead? Okay? So he brings up cars as an analogy, but unfortunately the evil in the tech industry is about to uh, try to conquer the car world. Okay, this disparity has been a calculated move on the part of large proprietary software development firms. He's absolutely right. Keep people in the dark. All right? And I mean, sure, I applaud any companies that want to teach kids programming. That's wonderful. Um, eh, unfortunately, there, there was a, pro, a, a company called Kano PC, and they made tablets that kids could assemble themselves. Imagine a tablet computer that you could assemble and you could repair it yourself, and kids could learn how to assemble a computer, and then learn how to program that computer. It was called Kano PC, and it was wonderful. But then, all of a sudden, Microsoft saw it and said, wait, this Kano PC is like 150 bucks, and it's way better than our $1,200 Microsoft Surface tablet, and kids are allowed to repair, even a kid could assemble it and repair it. Whereas the Surface tablets fall to pieces and you put them in the garbage. So Microsoft bought Kano and then immediately destroyed them. Anyway, users are... Uh, so this disparity has been a calculated move on the part of large proprietary software firms. Users are often left in the dark on what the software they use actually does and are at the mercy of whatever these corporations say is necessary for the program to function. I refuse to believe that an email address or Wi-Fi connection is necessary for a vacuum cleaner to function. He's talking about the cloud-controlled gizmo scandal, as I call it, where you buy a product and you think it's yours, but wait a minute, you're not allowed to even turn it on unless you connect it to the internet and beg for permission and get an account with the manufacturer, okay? There's massive potential for abuse and spying. I say this all the time. And by the way, when that manufacturer doesn't want you to use that product anymore, they kill the product remotely so that you are left with nothing but a paperweight. Do you understand what's happening here, folks? Okay, he's saying this, and I've been saying it for a long time. Huh. Uh, if free software had been the norm from the beginning, that gap between users and developers wouldn't have become so profound, right? Like, I grew up as a power user. I grew up in this industry as an enthusiast. So I see, and, and, and beyond that, I have morals and logic and common sense and ethics, okay? So unfortunately, we have a generation of people who are being raised right now with no philosophy, morals, ethics, logic, common sense, whatever, so they're just, I, you know, I bought this thing and I got to plug it in. It told me to put in my email address, so I got to do it. Not even questioning the morality of it, okay? 
not even questioning, right? And you seniors too, right? The approach that the industry took to seniors is, oh, they don't know any better. We'll just intimidate them with hyper-complex products. And, and seniors, oh, I don't know. We don't know anything about this industry. We'll just do whatever we're told because we don't know that this industry is scary, okay? Um, so the average computer user ideally would look more like a power user. Such an individual might not have a burning desire to learn about assembly languages and lower levels of operation, but they'd be able to extend the program to fit their needs. You know, they'd be able to understand the program and, and use it for their benefit. We'd also have a healthier relationship to technology. In such a world, it'd be harder for programs to actively abuse users. Here's looking at you, Apple, Adobe, Microsoft, Sonos, HP, actively abusing users. HP printers come with spyware that records what you print. Actively abusing users. Again, that's legal. So I can't accuse them of being fraudsters. I can't accuse them of being a scammer. It's legal. But I want you to know, and I want you to ask yourself, is that abuse? Is that wrong? Once you see what they're doing, right? Because they want to they wanna hide what they're doing. They, they don't want you to know they're recording your every move. They hide it deep in the legalese when you install an HP product, for example. Okay, so I'm not here to say that they're scammers, but I'm here to say that they're morally evil, and I'm here to expose that to you so that you can make your own decision. Anyway, back to the article. He says it'd be harder for programs to actively abuse users. Thank you. It would also be an actually beneficial relationship between humans and machines, and not a fake buzzword-driven metaverse where a single corporation dictates how users can express themselves. He's referring to Facebook renaming itself to Meta. And Facebook says, okay, yeah, we're all going to live in this new future cloud world that they are the only ones that can control this. They're creating their own universe where they're the god. And they can dictate what you say to people. And if you're a little too liberal or too conservative or too religious or too atheist or too whatever, they will shut you down because they are the god of that universe they created. Really scary stuff. Um, I want to finish by giving you a quote. There's a show called Moonhaven on AMC, and my brother just showed it to me the other day, and it's pretty neat. And they say, technology without culture doesn't work. Uh, it's a pretty cool show. It talks about how humans eventually get to the moon and create a new society there that, that aims to avoid the mistakes of, of the past. So they say, technology without culture doesn't work. You could have billions of computers, but if you have no music and photos and ideas and things to share, there's no point. I am Mark Anthony Arena. Thank you so much for joining me today. You can learn more about me at thecomputerexorcist.com and you can go buy things on my recommended page and you can buy hoodies and shirts about my show and tell your friends about the show. Buy a copy of my book on the site as well. We'll talk to you next week. I'm